Welcome to the Bare Naked Aleph Vet Gmails, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And while Aaron is not able to join us tonight, that's a nice Hebrew name, Aaron. Um, we have a longtime BNL fan and friend of mine, Bonnie Robbins, joining us. Bonnie, welcome. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm glad to have you on. I've been wanting for a long time to have you come back on in uh, like a week or so. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And so this week, we're as I mentioned last week, we're going to be continuing the theme just because it's alphabetical. And we're going to be talking about Hanukkah O Hanukkah, which is the Bare Naked Ladies song from Bare Naked for the Holidays. If you've never heard this song before, I'm going to put in a brief snippet of it right here. Oh Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the horror. Gather around the table, we'll give you a treat. Sip open into play with the latkes we eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning low. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. So this is a traditional song, but the Bare Naked Ladies have done a different arrangement of it. They haven't played Hanukkah Blessings since the holiday tour, but this one, which isn't an original, it's just the traditional song kind of pumped up and done differently. They played this song 30 times, since the, uh, 11 times since that tour specifically. I mean, they, they always play it in late November or December, and the last time they played it was 2014, but it's interesting they played this one more often there than their Hanukkah original song. Maybe more catchy. I would have to say that I agree with you. It is definitely a much more catchy song. I don't know if people have heard it before. I'm going to post in here uh, in a second when I'm done speaking, a version of the original rendition of this. It's a little more classical, and so and it's a little slower and a little less catchy. It's still fun, but it's a little less catchy than BNL's version, which they definitely pumped up a little bit for for this recording. I'll put it in right here. Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the hora. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. Sevivon to play with, latkes to eat. And while we are playing... This is a pretty popular song, though. Like, AXS.com online listed this in the top five best Hanukkah songs of all time. The Bare Naked Ladies version. And they even listed it higher than Adam Sandler's song. Hmm. Adam Sandler's song you hear a little bit more on the radio. Yeah. I wish they would put Bare Naked Ladies a little bit more on the radio. I'd like to hear it. <laughs> I would rather hear this on the radio. This is a lot more fun, I think. We don't have Aaron this week. Why don't we jump right into the music? Why don't we start discussing this song? Um, the musicality is the part that we really can kind of discuss a little bit because it's not the tra it's traditional, but this is where they kind of mixed it up a little bit. So, but as you know, Aaron did not decide to send us his information this week. So I looked on TuneBat.com and I looked on a number of other websites. This song is in E minor. It's at 132 beats per minute. It's interesting that the way this is done, because I could be wrong, but I get the feeling that if we're going to call the first piece the chorus, the Hanukkah, O Hanukkah, as the chorus, it goes chorus, verse, chorus, verse, 
bridge, chorus, verse. And this is the only time any of their songs where the chorus and verse are not new versions of it, but it's like same exact chorus and verse over and over again. Well, I know in the traditional song, the chorus is first. So I wonder if they're staying aligned to what's tradition. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But it's interesting. It's not their typical typical MO. Right. And we'll talk next week about another song where they where they do that, where they start off with their chorus too. Now, I thought there was actually a key change in here when it goes from chorus to verse. I thought maybe it switched to a minor chord. But in I went online. I checked out all the chord structures because I knew we wouldn't have Aaron tonight. And there isn't. It stays the same key the whole shebang. I mean, it changes chords, but there's no key change. So it, it's a pretty simple song. But there's a lot of things about this that I like. Let's, let's talk about the instruments a little bit. So we have a really simple intro. And it sounds like Kevin on the mandolin and Ed on the guitar. And the first few times that I listened to it, I thought it was just Kevin on the mandolin with a little bit of echo in there. But then when I listened to it for like the 10th time, it started to break down a little bit and started to hear more. And you can start to hear Ed playing the guitar and, and mixing in with Kevin and then blending out on certain notes and harmonizing with it, which is really weird. Like, and, and you know, at one point I actually thought, well, maybe Kevin's just playing the mandolin twice, but it's not. It's, you can hear there's a, sl- like when they separate for a couple of seconds, that you can tell it's actually a guitar that's kind of just harmonizing really well with this man- mandolin. And I think what's cool about using those two same instruments is those would be instruments that would be used in a ceremony, in a Jewish ceremony or in a synagogue or if you were playing music, that would be, those would be two things that we would, we would hear as part of that tradition. So it's kind of cool that they started with those instruments. Now in a synagogue or in a traditional setting, what would be keeping the beat? Well, a lot of times there's with upbeat music, there would be clapping and foot stomping that congregation would be singing. Um, so I think that would go along with it. Usually it's it's mostly the congregation doing the singing. And, and some congregations or temples, they would bring in this, this type of music. It would be a guitar or a simple, you know, stringed instrument. Um, but I do think you would get that beat with the hand clapping and foot stomping, especially in a upbeat song. Not Would not have that in a more religious song, I would say. Right. Like last week's song. Right. (laughs) It's interesting that they decide on this one, they don't go with drums. They don't go with feet or clapping. Tyler is just killing it on the tambourines in the background on here, though. He is keeping this upbeat and moving. Absolutely. While we are playing, the candles are burning low. I really love Tyler's tambourine. The more I heard it during this playing, the more I loved his tambourine playing. I don't know if you experienced this. I just, I felt like this song had a really Eastern European feel to it. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I mean, it's in my uneducated opinion. I don't have any any knowledge around music, but um, it also sounded like Jim on the bass was playing a very oompa type beat yeah. to yeah. to keep this going. To keep it going, yeah. <laughs> but I think the stringed instruments again help with that feel. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there were, th- this is another example of their songs. Even though it's not one that I would pull out to say, here's what Bare Naked Ladies sounds like, it still sounds very Bare Naked Ladies-esque. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it and also... The first time I heard it on the radio, I took a second and I was like, I think that's Bare Naked Ladies. And I listened and it 
I mean, they have their own sound, right? So you know right off the bat. And something is definitely a song that we sing quite a bit at, at the holidays and we play in our family, being Bare Naked Lady fans. But, yeah, the first time I heard it, I didn't know it. they had it out and I knew it was them right off the bat. So definitely has their own feel and their own edge for sure. They have beautiful harmonies. So, the, like, the first verse or first chorus, you have just Stephen. But after that, I don't know if it's Ed that comes in next or singing the harmony or if it's if or if it's Jim. My guess is probably Ed. And then in the end, you at least have Jim, if not all of them, coming in to sing that last verse and chorus. And it just builds in the intensity. Like we had mentioned last week with the other song, like each week's each verses and choruses intensity just builds on top of the other one. Absolutely. And by the end it's all of them together, like it's a miracle, right? There's that miracle, and there's that celebration, and there's that praise and excitement. Yeah. Actually, the note I had down was the first ver- verse and chorus sounds celebratory, but by the third rendition, by the third third time around, we are having a party in here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, probably how it felt back then when they... Like, I can imagine, like seeing them dance the horror to this and and dancing it like it starts off slow but by the end of it like people are just like going full blast into this dance absolutely and if you ever go to a bar mitzvah or a jewish wedding that's what happens you kind of start out slow when the horror plays and by the end it is a party and someone's up on that chair and they're you know dancing around but i think that's that's how it goes it starts off with that slow and and by the end, they're uh, definitely celebratory and, and moves fast. So they kept it pretty authentic, even in changing it. Absolutely. Now, the one other thing that I had written down from my notes, um, and I don't know what, what you have for yours, but um, the other ones that I had for my notes is Kevin's playing on the accordion. is so much fun, and throughout the whole song, gives it this whole different feel. I think that really adds to that Eastern European feel as well, that accordion mm-hmm. sound. Um, I really love it, but his playing on the bridge is just phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And again, an accordion would be an instrument that you might hear. And, you know, I think they were very mindful when they picked their instruments they were playing. That would that would not surprise me at all with these guys. Yeah, you wouldn't have an electric guitar and a huge drum set out in the. Well, we'll we'll get to that version <laughs> down the road. <laughs> now, this is definitely BNL being very respectful of this type of music. Right. Let's take a moment. Do you have any more notes on the music of this? Uh, no, I think you pretty much nailed it all, and um, it's great music. We like it. It's nice as a as a Jew to have a band play some Jewish music. So I appreciate it because I feel like we're often left out with the Christmas Christmas celebrations of Christmas music. So I appreciate it just for that piece. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see them playing this at a religious celebration? Um, I could see them playing it at a more reformed religious celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. And at a Hanukkah party, you know, yeah. So originally this song was very much a Yiddish song. 
There are two translation versions of this song, using the lyrics, of course. The one that's most well-known, other than the Yiddish version, is the English words version, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it's not a direct translation. It's it's a very wide translation based upon the Yiddish. Um, yeah. So I, I looked up lo- online, and I was able to find that if you do a direct translation of the Yiddish, this is what you get for the chorus and then into the verse. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah. A beautiful celebration. Such a cheer, cheerful and happy one. There is none like it. Every night with the dreidels we will play. Fresh hot latkes. Lockies, well, latkes? Yeah, you can say latkes or lockies. They say both. Okay. Um, we will eat endlessly. Come quickly, children. Light the Hanukkah candles. I'll say, I'll... Ha- okay, pronounce that one. I can't pronounce that one. I'll uh, Hanism. Uh, Hanism, I think. Okay, close. I got close. Okay. Uh, Praise God for the miracles, and we will all dance together in a circle. And then they repeat that again, because I'm going to mess up the words if I try to say it again. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I I think it's interesting. So you have the English version, and then there's also the the Hebrew version that's directly translated from the Yiddish. It's a lot closer, and there's a lot lot more similarities. Um, Yeah. But it's also not very well known or well liked um, by the community. Even in Israel, like the they will go with the Yiddish or they'll go with the English, but they won't go with the Hebrew version when they're singing this. Yeah, it's interesting. And Yiddish and Hebrew are aligned but different. Yeah. You know, a bit. I just know as a kid growing up, my grandmother and my aunt would speak in Yiddish all the time when we were in the car because they didn't want us to know what they were talking about. So, uh, like, I don't know if they thought we would understand the Hebrew, but it was all Yiddish. So there is there's that there was that culture, right? The Yiddish was more almost more sacred, I guess. I don't even know if that's correct, but it was very something special about the Yiddish. I just remember growing up. That was a it was a big deal. More so than the Hebrew, so I don't know. Yeah, I um, wonder where what the difference is and where they came from. I'll have to research that sometime. Maybe before, before we get to the dreidel one. I want to know what they were talking about back then, and I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of a lot of words in here that non-Jewish folk might not understand, might not know the words for. Um, so we should we should probably go over those real quick and and see if we can translate those for people. I mentioned before lakas. <laughs> so what? Some people say lakis. So what's a laka? A laka is a potato pancake. Ah, shredded potatoes that are cooked in oil and usually eaten with either applesauce or sour cream. And that is a Hanukkah treat. Now, are they similar to hash browns or the, uh, like, did we steal that from the, from the yeah, similar. Jewish tradition? Yeah, similar. They taste better just because. Because <laughs> <laughs> we never get it right when we try to tra- take something from another. Yeah. Yeah, but they basically look like pancakes and, um, you know, definitely a treat at Hanukkah time for sure. All right. The Hora. Well, dance the Hora. What's the Hora? The Hora is a dance that is used in Jewish celebrations um, where, especially at a wedding, where they take the bride and the groom and they lift them up over their heads on a chair and they have a white napkin that the bride and the groom hold between themselves and they dance around holding the bride and groom up in the air and uh, they dance in a circle and then partway through the song the circle switches 
directions, um, some celebration dance. I'm not exactly sure where it came from or why. Uh, we could probably look that up, but that is a very traditional Jewish wedding song connecting husband and wife as they get married. Oh, and it's done at other, other times as well? Um, I've seen it done at other celebrations. It's traditional wedding, I believe, because um, it's for the husband and bride and the groom, but I've been at younger celebrations where people have done it. Not sure, if, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I believe it's a traditional wedding song. Huh. That's just really interesting that it's mentioned in this traditional Jewish song um, mm. about doing that at, at a Hanukkah celebration. Yeah. So and maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe I, it I just became go. much more over the years kind of directed yeah. directly to the, the wedding celebration. Yeah. Um, and, and for people who have never seen this or would like to learn how to do this, I will post a video of someone teaching how to do the Hora. Yeah. It actually it's looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. There's two circles and they go around and um, as long as no one drops the, drops the people in chairs, you're all set. <laughs> I know a couple that got married and they dropped the bride and oh. let's just say her honeymoon, she had a broken leg and... <laughs> We'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, that is not fun. You're still married 20 years later. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And it was not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was not you. Shivivon. Now, in the direct translation, they keep this in there for some reason. Um, but it's also, I don't know where the other name came from or why Shivavon tends to be used more traditionally in the songs in, in all the different versions of the songs but dreidel is the other name that this commonly goes by or what most people i think would know it what, what is a dreidel that we know most people would know it but they don't know like what it is all right well i can tell you about that so a dreidel is a small top that kids play the game it's a game that kids play called dreidel but the dreidel is actually a small little top that you can spin um and it has different hebrew letters on each side so on one side, they have the letter that's called a nun. And when the player, so everybody gets something, all the players get a gelt. And Hanukkah gelt are little chocolate coins, gold coins. So everybody starts with the amount of coins, and then they play the game. So if you land on none, and that's facing up, the player does nothing, and the person to the left spins. If the letter gimel shows up, um, you get to take the pot that's in the middle. And then you spin, and there's a Hebrew letter called hey. If you get that, the player gets half the pieces that are in the pot. And if you get the letter shin, you now have to put some of yours in the pot. So it's gambling with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> teach, them to, um, teach the kids to gamble early, you know. Gamble, yeah. So uh, very traditional. Dreidels come plastic, wooden dreidels, glass dreidels. Wooden would be the traditional dreidel, but... um you know, fun game for all kids like to play. Like to collect the chocolate and uh, yeah, that's dreidel. And then we have a dreidel song that we sing with it too. In the day, right, they were made of clay and that's why the song is dreidel, 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 I made you out of clay. And when you're dry and muddy, dreidel I will play. Which we'll get to that in about a few months. Okay. <laughs> Here's a preview for you. Okay. Once again, Steve decided with that song, let's let's just cover the original and and just do our own version of it. That's right. <laughs> menorah. We covered this a little bit last time, but for those who didn't listen to last week's song, what is a menorah? 
Um, and the menorah is uh, like a candelabra that holds nine candles. The eight candles symbolize the number of days the temple lanterns blazed back when uh, the history of the Maccabees and they destroyed the church and they were trying to, not the church, the uh, temple. And when the temple was destroyed, they had just enough oil left in the light for one night and the candles ended up burning for eight days. So we light a different candle each night on the menorah. Um, the ninth candle is called the shamash, and that's the, the candle that we use on the first night. We light that one, and then we light candle number one. And then the next night, we light the shamash, and we light two candles, and so on, up until eight nights. Oh, okay. One of the things that it says in there that I'm, I'm kind of curious about is it mentions the candles burning low. So is it tradition to burn the candles for the whole night on, on each of these nights? Uh, you leave the candles in until they burn out on their own. You are not, not allowed to blow a candle out. Really? Absolutely. That is uh, a no-no. <laughs> so each night you have to let it just keep burning, and then if it if your candle burns out, you have to replace it for the next night? So each night the candles will burn down, and then the next night you put in new candles. So you build up. So one candle, then two candles, all the way up to eight. So it's new candles every time. Oh, interesting. You see, that's... <laughs> There's special wax candles, so when they burn, the wax isn't built up like it's they're gone, and then you can put your next candle in. Oh, that's really neat. Yep. And they're not that big. You know, they're, they're small, pencil-thin candles, so maybe it takes a couple hours, two hours for them to burn. You don't want them burning all night long. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, because in the Catholic tradition where I come from, you put the you put the candles out at the end of every single Mass. You don't let them go all night long. So... It is against all Jewish law, religion, to blow out a candle on the menorah. That is interesting. That's really cool. But, and it makes sense, given given what it is celebrating. So. Right, right. Um, and back then, it was the oil that kept it going and lasted longer than they expected. Yeah. So we have three other versions of this. I, I'm going to post the traditional Hebrew version of it, um, or, or I think it's probably more the Yiddish version of this song. Um, and I'll post that one versus the English version. But there's two other really interesting versions. I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to these these other versions. I kind of hinted at one of them earlier, which is a heavy metal version. So what is your thought on the song? Um, um, I don't know. It really goes along with the religious piece of it. Um, you know, you made a comment about it sounding disrespectful, I think. Yeah, I, I wrote that. That was my note that I wrote down. Like, I don't like heavy metal typically, but I can listen to it. I can, I can enjoy pizza. This just sounds disrespectful to the whole point of the song, in my opinion. Right, right. Like, I don't mind heavy metal. I just don't think this is where it fits in a religious song. Because we do need to remember, as much as a celebration, this is a religious song. Right. You know. Um, and a lot of heavy know. metal music can kind of sound angry, and that's not the tone of this song. Right, absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know. Be curious to know if they're all Jewish that are singing it. <laughs> no, I, do, I don't know either. Um, so then there's another version. 
Um, I have it. I have it posted below. If you want to take a moment, I would. I would advance it a minute or two because it's very Jesus Christ superstar like, um, which means that they're kind of like they're taking the chance of going out into the desert, and they're um, like there's a whole scene kind of leading up to it. But if and they do it several versions over and over and over again, same kind of rendition. Uh, so if you want to give that a, a listen for a second. Yeah, I've watched this video and I've seen the video a number of times. Okay, so what are your thoughts on <laughs> this um, video? This is another one to me that's, I don't, I have had a very hard time trying to figure it out. I don't know. I struggle with it. I've seen it a number of times and I'm not sure. I, under, I, I guess I understand it watching it, but it's just so dark to me. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's dark and I don't. I've had to watch it a number of times to really figure it out. Um, I, I've watched it a number of times and have not still even figured it out. Like my 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 notes were WTAF um, because I I it, so it has Dan Fogler and and Ezra Miller um, doing a very dramatized version of this song. Once again, a very Jesus Christ superstar version of of this song. But Jesus Christ superstar has a theme. And a storyline, yeah, and yeah. this—I don't know what they're trying to do. I once again, I feel very—I'm not Jewish, and I feel very disrespected by this song, this yeah. version. Um, yeah. I, I, maybe they're dark, Jewish, but dark, and it's—I don't know. I just—I—I I don't get the story. There's, they're trying to tell some kind of story, but I don't get what they're trying to tell for a story yeah. and how that connects to the this song. <laughs> like it doesn't connect to what is being celebrated here. And so I just feel like doesn't quite mesh. Right. And I feel like the dark piece of it is maybe like, you know, the dark part of the destruction of the temple, but maybe this doesn't a lot like watching the, I don't know. I just, I've watched it a few times. And the first time my exact response was yours of like, what, what the heck is this? Dan, um, Ezra, if you want to come on the program at some point and explain this <laughs> out, I will listen. Thank you. <laughs> Let me know. I'll listen to it. <laughs> but it's intriguing enough that I've watched it a few times because I really tried to figure out the story. So yeah, um, but yeah. I always walk away disturbed. Yeah, me too. Just the costumes and the face and the yeah, the evil piece of it, I guess. So this this once again, like watching those two versions, and then I come back and I listen to B and L's version again, and it makes me feel happy. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what it should be. <laughs> And that's what Hanukkah should be. It should be a celebration. It should be happy. It should be dancing and playing and singing and definitely like that. So I don't know. Do you have any more notes about this? Um, no, I think I gave you my story on Hanukkah, and um, I really think you ought to make some potato lockies, or I'll make some for you, so you can try them out and uh, make sure you have your applesauce and your sour cream i think for some reason us jews are the only one that puts sour cream on our lots of our foods but we do um it sounds like, tasty uh, no but out of i will say out of all the songs i do think the vnl version of the hanukkah music makes me the happiest it makes me smile well yeah. let's let's see how happy let's let's put some numbers to this how many horas do you give this song Oh, out of how many? Out of what? Out, out of five. So zero to five, how many horas do you give this song? I gotta give it a five. It's my favorite Hanukkah song. Yeah. It's it's a great one. I I really do <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. 
like I said, we listen to it every year. So as I entered into this week, um, I thought I remembered this song. And I was already giving it a really low rating to start with. Um, I thought it sounded slower and it sounded more repetitive. And I was just going in, like, I had my whole idea of how I was going to respond to this song and what I was going to say. But as soon as I listened to it the first time, it made me really happy. Um, And by the 10th time I hit it, like, I was failing miserably at just listening to it and I was singing along with it. Um, and trying to pull myself back to be able to break down, okay, where are all the harmonies? And, and wait, what's that on, on Kevin's beginning? And, and it was so hard to stay away from singing with it. Yeah. And then by the 20th time, I, I actually was just listening to it one more time just to sing with it because it was just so much fun. So <laughs> kind of want to get up and dance, right? Yeah. It makes me want to move. It makes me want to dance. I don't think these other heavy metal ones make me feel that way. No. <laughs> It should be about celebrating and getting up and dancing. So, and it's funny that a song that's so repetitive because it does it's it's the chorus and verse three times in a row. It doesn't sound repetitive, and I think it's because of that bridge, mm-hmm. and because each time around through it builds in, it brings in new instruments, it brings in a new sound, it brings in more harmonies, and it just really seems to pick up speed. I can't prove that it is picking up speed, but I think by the end it, it's actually faster than the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and if you think about a lot of Jewish songs, that of course is repeated over and over again. Yeah, I mean the song, so um, or the prayer or whatever. You do have that piece that's always repetitive throughout. Yeah, um, even though it's not my religion, I I really love this song. I have to give it a four point four. Good, it's up there. It's close yeah. to five. <laughs> That that's that's high for me for one of these religious songs. Like there's very few that actually get up that high on this album. So that's that's pretty good. Well, being being a Jewish person that does not hear a lot of Hanukkah music, you know, and you have Adam Sandler, which is as funny, but it's more joking. This to me is more aligned with the celebration of Hanukkah. They're not making fun of it. They're not you know, so for me growing up like this is or being part of this it's. I guess I appreciate it because it is a catchy tune that's aligned and respectful, you know. So that's why I gave it such high marks. Wonderful. Um, I think you'll like this version too. So they did a live version. Um, they did a, a Hanukkah breakdown improv. I'll post it on this week's notes um, on the liner notes underneath the episode um, where they kind of do a it's takes to fight the power type improv at the end of it so it's kind of fun for that reason but my major appearance for this week is i encourage everyone to go out and you can buy it on itunes it's not that expensive i want to say it's like two dollars on itunes might be a little bit more um there's a film called dreaming of a jewish christmas if you live in Canada, you can just watch this on YouTube and you don't have to buy it. Unfortunately, in America, you do have to buy it on iTunes. The film aired in December um, on CBC, and it's about a Jewish family gathering together in, in a, a Chinese restaurant on a Christmas day. And, and really what it's about is about the idea that throughout history... Jewish people have written Christmas songs in order to be able to continue to be relevant and to best sell music. And they knew that selling Jewish music wasn't going to make them as much money as selling Christmas music. It led to a very much more secularized version of, of Christmas music. So you have Irving Berlin. You've got 
Mel Torme. You've got all these people that were that were singing and writing Christmas music that were Jewish. The reason I bring this up is that there are a number of really famous, especially Canadian singers that come in to do different renditions and versions of these songs. Stephen Page is in there, drops into the restaurant, and he gives his own rendition of a holiday song, Silver Bells. It is one of the more morose versions of Silver Bells I've ever heard, but I still love it, and it's beautiful, and and the part they pick for him is just perfect, and so I love... You can go into about 23 minutes, and you'll see him at that point, although I recommend watching the whole thing. It's a really interesting story-slash-documentary documentary about this really cool subject it it really is an interesting exploration of how jewish songwriters wrote most of the secular christmas music and and how it also really secularized our christmas music and i'm okay with that um it also talks a lot about the secularization of hanukkah as well so so it's interesting they also point out that that hanukkah has a hard time because it's hard to live up to something like this because it butts up against christmas so unfairly um it talks about how that affects the families and the story about irving berlin is fascinating um so go out and watch this What's the name of the movie again? Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. Let's check that out. And I love the fact that they're in a Chinese restaurant because that's where I spend all my Christmas dinners. That's what they. <laughs> that's one of the things they pointed out in this because the guy is also telling it from his 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 point of view of his family's traditions in it in that the idea of a, of the Chinese restaurant always being the only thing open on Christmas. And that over time was another secularized thing that kind of melded in with Hanukkah as well because of that. Absolutely. <laughs> that is how I grew up. <laughs> now, if you want to see more of me, then you can find me over this week and last week on the Weird Alphabet podcast. Look for episodes 208 and 209 as we talk about the Weird Al show and the theme song to the Weird Al show. Uh, it really was a great time. Please go download their podcast. They are wonderful people. They're a lot of fun. Um, And I would have to say it is my favorite podcast to listen to on a weekly basis. So I am very happy that they invited me to come back uh, because before we started this podcast, they they invited me to be on their Jerry Springer episode, of course, for Bare Naked Ladies. Um, And of course, it is perfectly wonderful that they invited me to come on to the Weird Al show because their first episode of Weird Al show is where Bare Naked Ladies showed up. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And if you go over there and you listen, you will hear me give two amazing appearances, one of which connects to the Bare Naked Ladies. I'll announce it in a future episode with us, but you get to hear it early if you go listen to Weird Alphabet episode 209. You can reach us at the handle Bare Naked ABCs on Twitter. Join us for discussions at BNL Podcast on Facebook or over on our website, bowlingstormtrooperentertainment.com. Send us a postcard at barenakedabcs at gmail.com. And speaking of postcards, we had another postcard without chimpanzees. Come on, people. No chimps. Give the chimps some love. Send us some chimpanzees. This week's postcard was from Tim Jar, who says, I am jealous of the Canadian fans who got really nice indoor concerts in the winter. I have spent far too many hours absolutely melting in the hot summer sun on miserable days to be outside. 
just to be able to see the band. Those days of heat stroke and soaked through shirts made me feel like it was literally the last summer on earth. Speaking of those tours, part of the fun has been seeing the bands that influenced them, from OMD to Howard Jones to Violent Femmes to Colin Hay and such, as opening acts. The sorry ones this summer make me hope that they're not done with these great 80s artists and moving on to forgettable 90s ones like Gin Blossoms. As to the two versions of Half a Heart, I thought the drums were more interesting on the original demo version from the Maroon era, and the bass line was way cooler. I love what Jim's doing on that version. But what those guys provide on the finished version from Blam works better for the overall song, as the original kind does kind of border on boring. But I do kind of hate that the sound comes off as a kind of click track on the bridge of the Blam version. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate it. I do have to disagree with you, though. I like having the Gin Blossoms on this year. I like having Toad the Wet Sprocket. Let's get back into a 90s groove for this year. And then down the road, I would love to see them bring in some other really cool bands. Because I gotta say, I really enjoyed it when they when they were up there with Ben Folds 5 and Guster. So I'm hoping that I'll get the same kind of feel when we get Gin Blossoms and Toad the Wet Sprocket up there this summer. And I'm really interested to see what they do when they get up on stage together and they have a blending of the bands. Uh, but I... I I respect that maybe you want to go back to those 80s artists because I would like to see some 80s artists come on there as well. We'll see what they can do in the future. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a real pleasure to have you on these last two weeks. I hope you can come back and kind of join us for maybe some non-ethnic specific songs. Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Not everyone knows this, but Bonnie, your family has a really close connection to mine. Bonnie's children actually brought my ring and flowers to my wife when I was proposing to her. But, you know, we get busy, we get distant. And so so I have a question for you, Bonnie. Yeah. Have you seen my love? Have you seen my love? Have I seen your love? Yeah. Why? Because that's next week's song. Ah, I was going to say, actually, I did see your love the other day. <laughs> that's true. You did. <laughs> and you guys next week get to hear us talk about Have You Seen My Love? Come back next week. And thanks. That was fun. <laughs> Thanks, that was fun Don't forget, no regrets Except maybe one It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 